and uh, do our best to deliver to you uh, what the Lord has placed in our heart for today. If you have your Bibles with you, those of you in the sanctuary this morning, I'm going to ask you to turn with me to Genesis chapter number 39. Genesis chapter number 39 is where we're going to take our text from today. And uh, as we are turning and as we are preparing this morning, I would ask that you would uh, pray for us as we try to deliver this this morning. I'm going to try to bring this to a personal level for all of us in this room as well as to speak concerning our nation, how many loves our nation this morning. Amen. Amen. And uh, I believe that we, uh, we need to stand and be uh, aware of what's going on in our world. And uh, I really feel like that uh, if there's ever been a time that the church needs to awaken and find their rightful place and know how to defend that which has been entrusted into their care, it is now. And uh, so we're going to try to cover a lot of grounds this morning. I'm going to give you a lot of scripture. Stay with me uh, to the end, please. And uh, hopefully you will walk out of here encouraged. Uh, but this morning, I, I'm going to be very, I'd love to be able to preach in a an evangelistic message this morning, but I, I, I'm not at liberty to do that. Uh, but I, I am going to empty myself this morning and uh, do my best to deliver what God is, uh, I believe, wanting to speak to us this morning. So if you're able, if you're not, I understand, but if you're able this morning, I'm going to ask you to stand for the reading of God's Word. And we're going to go to Genesis chapter number 39. We're going to pick this up in the middle of Joseph's life. Uh, he's a 17-year-old boy at this time. Uh, he has been favored by his father. A lot of you know the story. He's received a coat of many colors. Uh, his brethren has now became angry with him, and they have betrayed him. They have sold him to the merchants, and now he finds himself in Egypt. And in verse number 1, first 12 verses of this chapter, it says, And Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, the officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served him, and he made him overseer over his house, and all that he had he put into his hand. And it come to pass from the time that he had made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he knew not what he had, other than the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person and well-favored. And it come to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph, and she said, Lie with me. But he refused and said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master ordeth not what is with me in the house, and he hath committed all that he hath to my hand. 
There is none greater in this house than I. Neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee. Because thou art his wife, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And it come to pass as she spake to Joseph day by day that he hearkened not unto her to lie by her or to be with her. And it come to pass about this time that Joseph went into the house to do his business and there was none of the men of the house there within. And she called him by his garment saying, lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got himself out. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, this morning, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your presence that I feel in this room. And Lord, as we stand in your, in your stillness today, I pray that you would anoint this vessel to speak your word with anointing, with clarity. Lord, that I would decrease, that you would increase, that our ears would hear and our hearts would receive that which you have for us today. And we'll give you the praise and the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Let me take you once again. It says in verse number 10, And it come to pass, as she spake to Joseph day by day, that he hearkened not unto her to lie by her or to be with her. And it come to pass about this time that Joseph went into the house to do his business, and there was none of the men of the house there within. And she caught him by his garment. For a few moments today, I want to talk to you about a convenient time. At a convenient time. The definition for the word convenient is simply this, suitable or agreeable to the needs or purpose, a time that is well suited with respect to facility or ease in use, to be favorable, to be easy, or comfortable for use. Or we could say this, a time when there is no resistance. I stand before you today simply to sound the alarm. Did not come with doom and gloom today, but I did come to be real with you. I sense that much like in a specific time in the life of Ezekiel, I firmly believe this morning that the ministers of this hour across this nation, as well as other nations of the world, has been given a charge to take their place on the wall and to begin to sound the alarm. This is not a time for prosperity messages. This is not a time for for feel-good theology. And, and believe me this morning, I believe that God makes you prosper. And I believe that there is joy in the presence of the Lord. I believe those things, but there is times and seasons in which we find ourselves in. And we have to make sure that we are aware of the season that we are presently in. And in the day of Ezekiel, if you was to read Ezekiel 33, the first seven verses of that chapter. I will not read all of them this morning, but the latter part in verse number seven, the word of the Lord to the prophet was, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel 
Therefore thou shalt hear the word at my mouth and warn them from me. His charge was, Ezekiel, don't speak your ideals or your opinion, but when you hear what I'm saying, you then stand in front of the people and you deliver that which I am speaking concerning the present moment of time. And then this time, what he was saying, if you read the first few verses of this chapter, you will find that he simply says, you need to take a man, put him on the wall, and that way if he sees evil coming, he begins to sound the alarm. And therefore, he is, he is not held accountable for what is going to transpire. But if he sits there and does not respond and do nothing, then he says, while destruction may come to this group of people, I will hold their charge to you. So this morning, I want you to hear the word of the Lord. I don't have a large message this morning, but I feel like I have a timely message this morning. And the word of the Lord to us is simply this. We are now in a convenient time. Now, I want to explain this statement this morning. Jesus made a statement in Mark chapter 3, verse number 27. He says, no man can enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he will first bind the strong man and then he will spoil his house. I must ask the question today, how do you bind a strong man? It is nearly impossible to bind a strong man without strategic planning. We see in the story of Samson, every effort to bind him failed until he was simply worn down by Delilah. The scripture tells us that he was pressed daily and that which was strong and anointed become weak and defeated. Let me give you this story very quickly. Judges chapter 16, 16 through 21. It says, And it come to pass when she pressed him daily with her words and urged him so that his soul was vexed unto death, that he told her all his heart and said unto her, There hath not come a razor upon my hand, for I have been a Nazarite unto God from my mother's womb. If I be shaven, then my strength will go from me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. Now notice this. And when Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up this once. Somebody say a convenient time. For he has showed me all his heart. Then the lords of the Philistines came up unto her and brought money in their hand, and she made him sleep up on her knees. And she called for a man, and she caused him to shave off the seven locks of his head, and she began to afflict him. And his strength went from him, and she said, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awoke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times before and shake myself. And he did not know the Lord was departed from him. But the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with fetters of brass. And he did grind in the prison house. What a story at a convenient time. Notice it was at a convenient time when the enemy took his vision and bound him in fetters of brass. 
It was at a convenient time when Herod beheaded John the Baptist. If you was to read in Mark chapter number 16, you will find that King Herod had married Herodias. She was formerly the wife of his brother. But because John had spoken up and said this in Mark chapter 6, 16, or verse 18 through 28, notice what happened. For John had said unto Herod, it is not lawful for thee to have thy brother's wife. Therefore Herodias had a quarrel against him and would have killed him, but she could not. For Herod feared John, knowing that he was a just man and holy, and observed him. And when he had heard him, he did many things and heard him gladly. But then verse 21, and when a convenient day was come, Herod's birthday arrives. Festivals, partying, joyful season. Herodias sends her daughter in. And she begins to dance before the king and pleases him. You know the story. He simply said in his drunken state, I will give you half up to, the king, up to half of the kingdom. Ask whatever you will. She runs to her mother and says, what should I ask for? Herodias said, ask for the head of John the Baptist. She could have asked for anything. She could have asked for great wealth. She could have asked for anything that was in the possession of the kingdom. But the one, the enemy of the man of God, simply said, ask for his head. And because of the situation, we find that the head of John the Baptist was brought on a charger and given to Herodias and her daughter. It was a convenient time. Allow me to remind you this morning that it was also at a convenient time when Judas betrayed Jesus. Mark chapter 14, 10 and 11, it says, And Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went unto the chief priest to betray him unto them. And when they heard it, they were glad, and they promised to give him money, and, and he sought how he might conveniently betray him. I share these stories with you today to show you the enemy is always looking for a window of opportunity to accomplish that which he desires. While you're sitting here this morning, there is an enemy that desires to steal from you, to kill you, and to destroy you. John chapter 10, verse number 10 says that the thief cometh not but to steal, kill, and destroy. But can I tell you, we are instructed in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 8, simply be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. What he's saying is this, he's always walking and lurking and looking for a convenient time. He's always looking for an opportunity where there's not much resistance, not much opposition, but when you're not really focused, when you're not paying attention, he wants to come in and grab his prey. 
I must remind you and I, today we are instructed in the writings of Ephesians chapter number six uh, in a very strategic manner in order to keep ourselves in a place uh, where we are able to fulfill the commission that God has given all of us. Uh, Ephesians chapter six, 10 and 11, most of you probably could quote it. It says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. He didn't say be strong in yourself. He didn't say be strong in the power of your might, but he simply says be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. What is the wiles of the devil? It is the tricks, it is the deceit, it is the schemes that he's always working, trying to get you to a place uh, where he can conveniently hinder you. The reason we are to do these things is found in verse number 12. It says, because for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, and against spiritual wickedness in high places. The kingdom of darkness this morning always rears its head at a time of convenience. The Bible is very clear concerning seasons. You often find this passage of scripture read at a funeral service, Ecclesiastics 3, to everything there is a season, a time to every purpose under heaven, a time to be born, a time to die. But listen, when you get on down to that, you find this, there's a time of war and there's a time of peace. Let me say this this morning. War is usually the result of the actions of another that took advantage of a time of weakness, complacency, or convenience. How is it that we ended up in World War II? It's because there was a convenient time in Pearl Harbor. Think about it. And it changed the scope of everything. Yesterday, we as a nation remember a convenient day for our enemy. We as a nation just ended a war for 20 years. I don't care what your political stance is on it this morning, but notice after 20 years, we ended a war that was started because, and I will say it this morning, because a group of radical Islamic individuals plotted and waited for a convenient time to attack while our leaders sat idle and chose to ignore the dangers of the hour 20 years ago. We ended up losing thousands of innocent lives that day and many days since because of the effects of that day and because of 20 years of war. And I stand here today and tell you as a nation we can never forget. But now like then, we find ourselves where the house appears to be vacant once again of the strong man. I didn't forget where I started this morning. I fear we once again find ourselves in a day in which the strong man has been manipulated, bound, and removed. I believe 
personally, this is the only opinion I'm going to give you this morning, but my opinion this morning is I believe that we right now are at the most dangerous point this nation has ever known. Not only is our nation in danger this morning, but the church itself finds itself in a day of great challenge also. For I look around and I ask the question, where are the men and women that are supposed to be present in the house? Please listen to me this morning. If you are ever going to stand up and be counted, you have to stand up and be counted now. We don't have five years for you to figure it out. Everything is hanging in the balance. If you look at our text this morning, Joseph found himself a young man favored by God, blessed by God, but the enemy was pursuing him daily. And notice it was when he went into the house to do his business that none of the men of the house was present within. At that moment, Potiphar's wife caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. She had said it day after day after day, but she had never had an opportunity to grab a hold of his garment. But at a convenient time when there was nobody present, she was able to reach out and grab a hold of the garment of a 17-year-old boy, 18-year-old boy, uh, and simply said, I've got him now. And the only reason she was able to do that was not because he had changed up his schedule, but because he was doing what he had always done, but for whatever reason, at that moment of time, there was nobody else present. Is it possible that the enemy walks in and out of our sanctuaries every Sunday morning, uh, every Wednesday night, uh, and preys upon men and women that are innocent uh, because we are not present? I'm not talking about in the natural form uh, necessarily, even though that is an element of it, uh, but I'm talking about in the spiritual form. Uh, when was the last time we really waged war uh, for in prayer uh, for our nation, uh, for our family, uh, for our children's children? Uh, when was the last time that we really was baptized in anguish uh, when we looked at the results of a generation uh, that has been grabbed a hold of by an enemy uh, that is still putting needles in their veins uh, every Every day continually. When is it going to be enough? We're at a convenient time. The enemy has no resistance today. We walk into the house of God. We sing a song. We listen to a message. We go about the rest of our life. But yet we do not wage war. And then we wonder why another 17-year-old boy is grabbed by the garment. Uh, and notice this this morning. Uh, when he found himself, he did not know what to do. Due to the absence of the men of the house, Joseph leaves his garment in the hands of his enemy and now he has no covering. I want you to hear the word of the Lord this morning. Due to the absence of the strong man in this nation, as well as in the local house of worship, we are in a convenient time. Which means we have a generation that is positioned for the enemy to catch them and to say to them, to entice them, 
lie with me and lie with me. And then when they don't, uh, they still don't know how to respond. And therefore, we see a young man that was highly favored. Uh, he was blessed by God. Uh, you got to realize everything around him was been blessed no matter where he was uh, because he was favored by the Lord. Uh, but nobody else uh, was present. Uh, and in that moment of time, uh, he found himself in a state of nakedness. Uh, there was no covering uh, because uh, nobody else was present. Uh, can I tell you this morning, uh, we as a nation uh, have always had a garment of protection uh, because of our founding uh, and because of our principles of faith. Uh, we have always been one nation under God, uh, but we have lost our way, friend, uh, and we have went after strange gods uh, and now uh, our sanctuaries are sitting empty. Uh, our daddies are no longer present in the church. Uh, our mamas no longer want to mentor a generation. Uh, and therefore we have people coming in and out. Uh, and the enemy at a convenient time is grabbing them. Uh, and then we wonder why they're walking around naked. Uh, get, uh, get with it this morning. Hear me. Uh, it's because the enemy has grabbed a hold of them. Uh, it's convenient. So what are we going to do? Our only hope is for there to be an awakening in this moment and for us to truly repent and return back to our God. Another passage most of you probably can quote. Second Chronicles 7:14 If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land Let me remind you this morning Proverbs 28 and 2 for the transgression of a land many are the princes thereof but by a man of understanding and knowledge the state thereof shall be prolonged it is time for the men and women of faith to begin to fall on their face so once again we can have the understanding and the knowledge of God if we want to prolong the state of the United States of America. If you and I think we can continue to come in and out of the house of God for a couple hours a week and we're going to save this nation, you are sadly wrong, my friend. Hear me this morning. There is Joseph every day having their garments stripped from them because it is a convenient time. A time of no resistance. A time of no raising a standard up against the enemy. Proverbs 28 and 5 says, Evil men understand not judgment, but they that seek the Lord understand all things. Why is it that there's such lack of peace and rest within the church about what we're seeing today is simply because we have to ask ourselves, are we really seeking the Lord? He says, Seek and you will find. Proverbs 28 and 28 says, When the wicked rise... Men hide themselves. It'd be sad if it stopped right there. But that verse doesn't stop there. Because I will tell you this. We see wicked men in places of authority. 
And at the same time, we see men hiding. But I'm glad there's a little more to the verse. But when they perish, the righteous increase. I'm going to stand here today and I'll go on record this morning. You can hold me accountable. But every time there's been a convenient season, there's also been a repentive season. And when men begin to come out of hiding, there begins to be the perishing of evil and an increasing of righteousness. Proverbs 29 and 2, when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice, but when the wicked beareth rule, the people mourn. There's a state of mourning in our nation today, but can I tell you, weeping may endure for a night, but joy is coming in the morning. I stand here full of hope today in the midst of everything that's going on because I read in the Bible where the word of the Lord is very clear and it's in red. And if he is no respect of person and he would write in this manner to one by the name of Peter, I know that his heart is turned towards me in the same manner. Notice what he says in Luke chapter 22, verse 32, verse 31 and 32. And the Lord said, it's always nice when it says, and the Lord said. A president didn't say, a governor didn't say, a preacher didn't say, but the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for thee that thy faith not fail. And he says, and when thou art converted, what he was simply saying, when you really step into this thing that I have for you, he says, strengthen your brethren. Much like Peter, the enemy would love to sift. What does that really mean? To sift means to separate and to retain. See, what happened is, in Joseph's life, Potiphar's wife, she wanted to sift him. She wanted to retain him. She wanted to bring him into a place of bondage. But he said, how could I do what you're asking me to do and sin against my God? He said, I'm not going to allow the enemy to sift me, to put me in a place of bondage. Uh, but he simply goes on and notice with me, uh, I am thankful this morning uh, that much like Peter, when the enemy would have loved to sifted him, there's two words that always follow that, and it is this, but God. I am thankful that Jesus still intercedes on our behalf. Hebrews 7, 24, it says, but this man, talking about Christ, because he continueth ever and hath an unchangeable priesthood, Wherefore, he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Can I tell you right now in the midst of all of the craziness of our world, he's still interceding on our behalf. 
You may ask this morning, is there really any hope for our nation? You may ask this morning, is there really any hope for our community? You may ask, is there really any hope for my family members? Is there really any hope for my my husband? Or is there really any hope for my wife? Uh, Is there really any hope for my dog or my cat? That may be a stretch. uh, But listen, uh, is there any hope? Uh, Can I tell you this morning? Uh, I stand and say, absolutely. Uh, Please allow me to share with you one more story this morning. Uh, In Acts chapter 12, you will read of a man uh, by the name of Peter that we just talked about. Uh, And it says, now about that time, Herod the king uh, stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church uh, and he killed James, the brother of John with the sword. uh, And because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter. Somebody say a convenient time. Because then was the days of unleavened bread, and when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quartines of soldiers to keep him intending after Passover to bring him out and to make sport of him and to kill him. But, verse 5, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. See, even in the midst of a convenient time, if a church will begin to awaken and pray, notice what happens. And when Herod would have brought him forth the same night, somebody say without delay. The same night, the angel of the Lord came up on him and a light shined in the prison and he smote Peter on the side and raised him up saying, rise up quickly and his chains fell off from his hands uh, and the angel said unto him, gird thyself and bind on thy sandals and so he did. What he was simply saying is the angel of the Lord said, get your coat back, uh, put it on because you're still got a covering. Uh, Listen, uh, Joseph in the natural lost his garment that day and if you read the rest of Genesis 39, you will see that she proceeded and she took that garment, laid it beside her and she laid beside it all afternoon until her husband came home and said, look what he did, tried to do to me. And we find that he ended up in prison. Can I tell you, I know people feel like they're in prison today in this nation, but can I tell you the angel of the Lord is not above going into the prison house. And can I tell you in the midst of bondage, in the midst of opposition, in the midst of the enemy saying, I've got you where I want you. What he wasn't counting on is a remnant of people to begin to pray and begin to fast. What he wasn't counting on is for a church to be awakened in the high holy days of 2021 and he wasn't ready for them to really enter into a place of true repentance at the day of atonement in this coming week but can I tell you I have an urgency in my spirit uh, that by the middle of the week uh, and we enter into the atelier of atonement uh, there's about to be a releasing uh, of the impossible Uh, can I tell you there's a supernatural urge uh, this morning I gotta tell somebody uh, you got to stand up and be counted uh, because in this convenient day uh, is about to be a day of disruption uh, because God is still God The world may count you out, but today I'm telling you this morning that God is still God. 
I don't know what it may look like for you this morning, but I know in whom I have believed. And time after time after time, when the enemy has reared his head throughout history, when true repentance is sought after by a generation, God has always turned it. And that which was meant for evil, he works for our good. Joseph, as a young boy, comes and finds himself doing what he was supposed to be doing at that moment of time. But there was none of the house in the house. I'm not questioning your salvation this morning. I'm just asking, where are you? I'm not asking if you're of the house. I'm just asking, why ain't you in the house? You see, because nobody was in the house, because see, they was men of the house, meaning this, they was to be serving in the house. They wasn't to be on a lawnmower, they wasn't to be on a weed eater, they was to be serving in the house. But there was nobody present in the house. So because nobody was present in the house, it created a window of opportunity for the enemy. Here's my fear this morning. And please don't take this as a political statement. But from the White House to Capitol Hill to many state houses, there ain't no men in the house. So it's a convenient time. After 20 years of war, we're more vulnerable now than we've ever been. And I'm going to tell you something this morning. No matter what your political affiliation is, there is people that does not have this nation's interest at its heart. And they have no problem with seeing another attack on our soil. And unless the church begins to fall on its face and raise up a standard against the enemy, 9-11 will, will pale in comparison to what we're going to encounter. You hear me this morning. Someone has to be present in this house. When I say in this house, what I mean at this moment, somebody has to stand up and be present in the United States of America. It doesn't need to be a politician because that's going to be the answer. It needs to be the church of Jesus Christ, the sons and the daughters of the Most High God. So I'm asking you, where are you? I know where you're at this morning for a couple hours, but where are you Monday through Saturday? Because at a convenient time, the enemy always tries to bring disaster. Now I want to get a little closer to home as I bring this around the final turn. Daddies, where are you? 
I understand you work 60 hours, 70 hours a week. I understand all of the responsibilities. But where are you when that 12-year-old or that 14-year-old or that 17-year-old or that 9-year-old has been pressured day after day after day with the enemy saying at this convenient time, lie with me, lie with me. Lie with me. They're trying to get away. Yeah, they hear what the Sunday school teacher says. They hear what the preacher says. And they try to run away, but yet they're running. But their garment is no longer present because the enemy, convenient time, has grabbed a hold of it. And now they're naked. time to be priest of our homes it's time to rebuild the family altar if you don't have one it's time to go find a family bible and put it back on the coffee table and let it not just be a piece of decor but let it be a tool that is used more than anything else I don't care if you use your dishwasher as a storage or extra cabinet, but don't you dare let your Bible just be a piece of decor. Somebody's got to lead them into the path that they must walk. If necessary, please hear me, the church in America, if we can spend hundreds and thousands of dollars on sports equipment and travel, and I'm not against it, then we can take a few hundred dollars or a few thousand dollars if we need to and hire us a pedagogue key. If you're so busy that you can't teach your children, then you hire a pedagogue key. Go do the research and you'll find out what that is. That way your child's never left alone. Because see, a young Jewish boy, by the time he's 12 years old, by his bar mitzvah, he has to quote the Torah. He has to be able to quote it from memory to be classified as a man. How many knows that's a lot to learn? You can't do it by yourself. I understand that we can't be by their side every step of the way. But they would hire a pedagogy, and as they'd walk to school and come back from school, that pedagogy would continually teach them. Teach them the word, teach them the word, teach them the word. Listen, that's why you need the Holy Spirit in your life. He's the teacher. That's why you need to desire the gift of the Holy Ghost in your life. Listen, it's not for emotional uh, outburst. It's not for anything other than simply getting to a place where we know all truth. Listen. We're spending fortunes on things that are temporal and we're ignoring the things that are eternal. Mamas, when was the last time you gathered your children like a mother hen with her chicks and put them under their wings in 
invited them into your prayer closet with you. I understand we all need our alone time with God. But I also understand that there's times when you say, come, I'm going to show you. I'm going to lead you. I'm going to guide you into his presence. Because here's the deal. When we're out 60-something hours doing whatever, and we've worked all day, and then we're doing this and that, and then we want our alone time, guess what? If we're alone, that means they're alone. We've just created a convenient time. Be careful how much time you give the enemy with your children. So I ask the questions they come to the piano this morning. Do we understand the sense of urgency of this hour? Joseph, just a young boy, been through a lot by this time, still just a young man. Notice this is not what I want us to find as a nation or you as a family has to go through, but let me give you just a couple of verses. Genesis 39. We stopped reading at verse number 12, but let me begin at verse number 13. And it come to pass when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and was fled, that she called unto the men of her house and spake unto them, saying, See, he hath brought in a Hebrew unto us to mock us, he came in unto me to lie with me, and I cried with a loud voice. And it come to pass when he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried that he left his garment with me and fled and got himself out. She laid up his garment by her until his Lord came home. And she spake unto him according to these words, saying, The Hebrew servant which thou hast brought unto us came in unto us, come unto me and to mock me. And it come to pass as I lifted up my voice and cried that he left his garment with me and he fled. And it come to pass when his master heard the words of his wife, which she spake unto him, saying, After this manner did thy servant to me, that his wrath was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison. Can I tell you today, unless there is an awakening, Unless there is a standing up, the enemy will proceed to imprison a generation on a greater manner. And this nation will continue to spiral in a state of darkness. And we will be bound by stronger demonic forces than we've ever been. But if we will pray, He didn't say if all people. He just simply said if my people 
will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and I will heal their land. I'm calling us simply to a place of prayer today. I'm calling us to a place where we will lay between the porch and the altar. I'm going to cut it short because some of you I make nervous when I start using the word that goes with prayer and that, that word fasting. I'll let you work that out with you and the Lord, but as we go into a time of we've got about three days left of the high holy days by the Jewish calendar. I would encourage you that between now and Wednesday evening at the start of the Day of Atonement, I would encourage you to figure out a way to spend much time in prayer. The Lord prompts your heart. By all means, join your prayer with fasting. Begin to pray and fast for your nation. Pray and fast for this generation. Because can I tell you, there's a young generation rising up, but they cannot be left alone. And pray, seek direction for the elders of the church, men and women of faith, to not grow cold in their walk, to not faint, but to stand up and to be counted. We need men to be men. We need women to be women in the house of the Lord today.